Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers podcast. It's Chris Ryan and Raheem Palmer. What's up, Raheem? What's up? I mean, life is good right now. I mean, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like we're winning the games that we're supposed to win um, for the most part outside of that Chicago Bulls, Bulls game. But I mean, it's the NBA. I mean, there's no easy wins at this point. So I'm excited for what we have going forward. Hopefully we can remain healthy. <laughs> you know what, man? It's the new year. Sometimes you and I are a bunch of crybabies on this podcast. <laughs> I've decided to have a new attitude about the Philadelphia 76ers. We're pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we just put 147 points on the Pistons, and we, I don't know, even know if we got out of third gear. We had the, the starting five back, the Harris, Maxey, Embiid, Harden, Tucker. Like, we, we had our team for the most part. Um, and it was great to see all those guys back together. Obviously, it's Detroit. Obviously, Detroit's going in the wrong direction. But, Hey, guess what? Sixers are 25 and 15 after 40 games. The Sixers are the fourth seeded team in the Eastern Conference after 40 games. Sixers have a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense, which is where you want to be if you consider yourself a title contender. So I think like all in all, we got to be pretty happy about the way things have broken. Oh yeah, without a doubt. You know, the one thing I and I always like reference SRS, but the Sixers have the fourth best SRS in so Eastern for people Conference. who don't know, what's SRS? A simple rating system, a team rating which takes into account the average point differential and the strength of schedule. So, you know, that's something that, you know, a lot of betters use a lot of, you know, it's on basketball reference and you can kind of see it. And it just gives you a, a sense of a team's strength um, um, based on their strength of schedule and point differential. So for them to have the fourth best SRS um, with all the injuries that we had, Joel Embiid missing a couple of weeks, James Hart missing a month. Maxi missing six weeks. It's just you you really have to be encouraged by what we've seen this far. 
And, you know, like, I, I think that there's a world in which, through those injuries, this team never clicks, and not maybe not the bottom falls out, but that we're, like, the sixth seed, or, like, we're, we're the seventh seed or something like that, and we're closer to the play-in than we are to the top of the conference, and... And you could blame it on the injuries and you could have been like, oh man, it's a lost season or we haven't really gotten our guys yet together. But really credit, we give them a hard time to Doc for keeping the boat afloat during the periods when he hasn't had his best lineups and in some ways doing his best coaching when he had none of those guys and was like forced to play Tobias and the bench as like his starting five and eked out some wins there. And I think the general like is just really done a good job keeping things pretty pretty even keel and even uh skipping past the skipping past the Harden stuff in Christmas and just like that never became a distraction he's done like a really nice job keeping things kind of keeping things on like an even plane oh yeah without it and then my biggest thing is that we've had role guys step up we have guys like Shane Milton step up we've had you know me and you aren't the biggest Montrezl Harrell fans, but he's he's played relatively well lately. So it's just like when you can get the, those contributions from from role guys, and you know, like in this the Pistons game, we had Jaden Springer p- put some good minutes up, and I mean good, that's the good, type of stuff. Good dunk, yeah, yeah, that's the type of stuff that you you're looking for. So um, it's a really good time to be a Sixers fan. It's you know, it's like the process is it's all about championship or bust, but. I do think there's a process here to where you can kind of enjoy the night to night. And yeah, I well, especially enjoy- when we play Detroit. <laughs> yeah, I've been enjoying the night to night lately. So that's a good So a uh, little bit of a different kind of show today because the Sixers, obviously, they played Detroit twice. They got Oklahoma City on Thursday night. So we're not going to be addressing the Oklahoma City game. Sixers are beginning their West Coast swing soon. I'm actually going to try and go see them twice uh, in the next couple of days out here in L.A. So we'll have a lot to kind of talk about after we see the Sixers go through the two L.A. teams in Portland. We'll probably record uh, in and around that Portland game, if not after. So what I thought we could do today is have a, my buddy Justin Verrier from The Ringer come on and talk to us a little bit about The Ringer's top 100 players ranking. So if people don't know, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it with Verrier, but what we wanted to do was somewhat talk about like the Sixers because there's three Sixers, uh, four Sixers on the list, which is a really nice uh, feather in our cap to have most of our starting five represented in this top 100. Uh, But we wanted to talk to Justin a little bit about the methodology behind how these players got ranked. And also from sort of a more objective point of view, what do you think of the Sixers season so far this year? Uh, Raheem, you got anything else you wanted to hit before we get to Justin? Um, I think the one thing I want to hit on is that we've really got to work on our perimeter defense. I mean, we've we've spoken at length about our issues in transition defense, but you know, over the last week, two weeks or so, I mean, we've given up eleven threes to CJ McCollum. We've given up eleven threes to Zach Levine. I think that's the one thing that I really like to see us improve on. And I think you know it could be a little bit of an issue going forward. You know, with Tyrese Maxey and James Harden back in the lineup. I'm interested to see how our defense, we've been a top tier defense for much of this year, but it's interesting to see how our defense is going to look as we, we get everybody back. And I just, that's why I'm, I'm really excited to just see our starting lineup and, and how, see everybody. Yeah, I was going to ask you how tempted you are if you're doc, but more if you're you, do, do you want to see Tyrese coming off the bench? I think I do. Because I, I think we have enough scoring in our starting lineup that I, I want to see, like, I would like to see 
Maxi B in the Manny Ginobili role, or the idea the, being the, basically that Melton it, it provides more defensive steel as a starter against the opposing team's best perimeter players, right? Yeah, uh, and it's just you know Melton can space the floor, hit the three while defending, and you know it's just just kind of overkill at some point. So I like Maxi in that old James Harden OKC role. Yeah, and the thing with Maxi is that he, well, you know. I don't consider Shake to be a pure point guard. I mean, I also don't consider Maxi to be necessarily a pure point guard, but Maxi immediately becomes like the 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 floor general playmaker for that second unit. And then I think with Doc the thing is is that like he strikes me as an old school coach, although I think he's probably more adaptive than we give him credit for. I I do think that having that making that change starts to get into like who plays at the end of games, right? And now yeah. you can do a lot of offense defense stuff. You can do a lot of pulling PJ on and pulling PJ off the court and putting him back on for for different possessions and stuff. But I do wonder whether or not he has some pretty old school ideas about like starting which guys start and which guys come off the bench. Yeah, I I, I definitely can see that. And I, I just I mean, Doc, Doc just seems like the type of guy to where if he has his stars, he wants to ride them. He yeah. he's not like a I call him Kumbaya Kerr. <laughs> it's not. It's not like an everybody eats type thing. Um, it's like he's just going with his stars unless he's forced not to. Um, and I think you you see it with Demontres Harrell. I mean, he sees Montrez as being you know one of the guys. He was the sixth man of the year over in L.A. Um, he can, he depends on him. He trusts him for some reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And once he once he trusts the guy, he's just he's just going to roll with it. So um, I I don't see Doc as the guy who's just. All right, Maxi, come off the bench. <laughs> My favorite thing about that Detroit game, by the way, mm-hmm. aside from the 147 points, which was the best, you know, the highest point total we had this season, yeah, was the minutes played after the names of the starters. Oh, I would wow. love to see. Well, I mean, like you basically had Embiid at 24, like mm-hmm. Harden around 20, 20, 23, or whatever it was. Yeah, like I would love for us to get comfortable enough in the fourth seed or in this it, it, with our wins and losses i don't think he's going to do it but to get doc more into the mike budenholzer zone of 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 minutes played for these guys and like get get those minutes down for Embiid for a couple of months here yeah i think i would love to see that's a good point um because i mean we ride Embiid so much and i think you, or you harden it. you know what i mean like if it's not yeah. Embiid, it's it's hardens out there for 39 minutes in an overtime game in in january you know and I mean, some of that has to do with us closing games properly, too. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we we can't have our stagnant offense at the end of the games and then have to end up playing an overtime game, you know, or just, you know, being in situations like we were in the Pacers game to where it's just like, all right, this game should have been over and we played with our food. I, w- I would love for us to stop playing with the food and, and yeah. get these guys a little bit more rest. All right. So. Let's get into our conversation with Justin Verrier about the Ringers NBA rankings and specifically the Sixers place on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll probably we'll jump in after the the Lakers game, I would imagine, or the Clippers game on Tuesday. We'll we'll start talking a little bit about this this West Coast swing that the Sixers are about to take, which I think could be a very uh, informative road trip for 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 people watching watching this team. Thanks to Cliff for producing us, and let's get into our conversation with Justin. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. 
One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Raheem. It's our first guest ever on the Ringer Philly Special Sixers podcast. Uh, you know, we sent out invitations to Daryl. We sent out invitations to Doc Rivers. I think that got lost in the mail. Embiid, Embiid is checking with his people. He's interested, you know. But we'll have to settle for Justin Verrier, editor at the Ringer. And the architect behind uh, one of my favorite projects we've ever done at the Ringer, which is our NBA Ranked. It's basically a warehouse for all of our rankings justin thank you so much for coming on you can also hear justin on group chat which is one of our best nba podcasts what's going on man wow i made it over melton i'm feeling pretty good (laughs) yeah melton melton i feel like is totally available we could have gotten melton but we wanted you (laughs) um so the you can find the nba rankings that we do it's at nbarankings.theringer.com and uh it's essentially a top 100 of the league's players. It's also got league pass value, which is done by Tyler Parker, which is kind of like guys that you just want to watch. But Justin, we want to talk to you today about the top 100 and a little bit about the Sixers on that list, but more about the methodology behind making it. Um, these lists drive so much of like the basketball like conversation economy these days. So how did, how did this come together and how did you sort of, what's the methodology behind ranking these guys? So you sure you want to know how the chicken nuggets got made? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll skip the part where I'm just like annoyed with the staff for two straight weeks and then this comes out because I don't think that would be interesting. Um, but the basic idea is I think we've been flirting with some of these player rankings for a while. We've done a, uh, a bunch of top 25, I believe, player rankings throughout the season. And we'd usually do that as a check-in. Chris uh, would vote on them and participate usually. Uh, for this one, we just wanted to do two things. I, I think like in the past, we've done things basically by committee. Um, at ESPN, I, I believe their rankings are still based on uh, just like the uh, jelly bean theory where it's just like wisdom of the crowds. And we've done that too. For this one, I really wanted to like drill down on a couple analyst guys who are ranking these players pretty regularly, just in their heads, if not just on a full list. Uh, so we, we narrowed the pool to kind of our, our regular scouts and, and whatnot. Uh, and we wanted to do it all year round. I, I think this yeah. is the most interesting part of this is this is a live ranking that is going to change over time. So there's going to be more active periods where we're moving people around more regularly. There's going to be more dry periods, like maybe during the summer when there isn't as much activity. Um, but we really wanted to capture just the evolving conversation and the rankings of these players. And I think we've done a, a pretty good job of like getting to that. There's like a world in which you could do this every night. And obviously that would be like labor wise, like, kind of impossible but it does feel like one of the things that has come out of like the post nba twitter way of talking about basketball is that after every game something completely new is true you know like this (laughs) guy is washed this guy is back this guy is trash this guy is god you know uh 
one thing I thought was interesting, and we can talk, we can kind of get into some of the Sixers stuff here, is you know Embiid first in the first edition of the rankings, I believe Embiid was seventh. He's moved up to sixth. Is that correct? Yep. It seems like at the top of the of the end of the rankings, is it's really hard for guys to like move around. So I was almost like pleasantly surprised that you know not only was I pleasantly surprised that Embiid had gotten ahead of Tatum, but like <laughs> pleasantly surprised to see a little bit of volatility up there. Obviously, injuries like Steph's injury can affect that kind of thing. But do you find that like the top end of the NBA? player in the rankings is it's almost difficult for those guys to leapfrog one another, barring an injury yes if only because there's just so much consensus about that but i think this is what the beauty of having four people behind this is where i think for the most part these guys are going to agree on things but we have one person who i'll just out here uh and michael pina who thinks that Jokic is far and away the best player in the league as opposed to Giannis. And so I do think you're seeing a little bit more fluctuations, even from the first one to the next one, even amongst that upper crust where Jokic leapfrog Curry. Maybe that was partially uh, due to injury, but I also think it was partially due to just Jokic has been incredible and someone has a strong opinion about him and that's why he moved up. And also, I mean, the Embiid one is is also a prime example of someone who's just been playing better. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like it, it's good and bad, but it's also a result of like how much you want to balance what's happening in the present versus what's happening throughout these players' careers. Because that's that's probably the biggest part of this exercise that's uh, most intriguing to me is just like how much are you going to weigh the fact that LeBron James is potentially the greatest all of player of all time versus the fact that he's missing games every six games. Right. Yeah. And and so, yeah. So like, I don't yeah. think you're seeing a ton of fluctuation there, but I think you're seeing more than I even expected. Yeah. The Zion one is really interesting to me because Zion's a guy who I think on any given night, I'm like, that dude might be the most unstoppable force I've seen since Shaq, but he can only stay on the court for three weeks at a time. Right. Brandon Ingram only has one good season to his name. And, and at some point, for some reason is in the top 25, not to keep bagging on the Pelicans. but Right. Mm-hmm. I actually, I actually found the Anthony Davis one. You know him still being top ten. You know, despite all the injuries and you know inability to stay on the floor, that was the most shocking one for me. Yeah, and that, that's a good question. It's like, how much do we knock guys for just injuries that happen over the course of the season? Like Steph Curry, prime example. Like he's had some injury history to him, but I wouldn't say he's a particularly injury prone player at this point. Yeah, but not he, since the beginning moved, of his career. Yeah, and and but Davis is the complete opposite of that. Someone who struggled with injuries pretty recently and throughout his career. And so, do you hold that against him? Uh, do you hold it against the fact that like? I don't know. The Lakers are doing okay without him. There's a lot to consider here that I think it's that's pretty interesting. It's Rob, it's Kyle, it's Kevin, it's, it's Michael. So you guys are all voting, and it's like an average? Yeah. So we send out ballots for this, and everyone ranks. Now we're, we're going past 100. There's like 13 or 15 players that just didn't make the cut here who we'll just not consider for, for the time being. That's a whole separate conversation. Um, and... After that, we'll average them all together. Ties will be broken based on some mathematical thing that Zach Cram only knows the secrets to. And then we will have a discussion over Zoom, basically looking at the list and saying, oh, that guy's too low. That guy's too high. This guy should be 
uh, ahead of this guy. And now the first one of those conversations lasted about two and a half hours. But uh, as we're going along here, I think those are, are getting a little bit more digestible. But I think they're also really helpful because like just sheer averages, I don't think is, is a good way to do it. Would that have made a good podcast or was it actually pretty contentious <laughs> and weird? Uh, it was just long uh, and probably not all that interesting to most people, I would say. Because <laughs> it's like, it's also nitpicking some of like th- the things that probably people won't even notice. It's like, should we have Brooke Lopez like 46 as opposed to 48 or something like that? So uh, it would be for the really, really, really deep cut heads. No, I mean, I think that's 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 really interesting, though, just because, you know, the Internet and especially these days, everybody's consumed with lists and we never really get to see how the sauce is made. Mm. So, like, I think that's something that you guys should, you know, probably consider, you know, going forward just because it's just, you know, like we're a Sixers podcast and, you know, obviously there's some bias here. But, you know, I have a hard time believing that Embiid is not top five. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so just, you know, seeing. But see, who would you move out? You know what it. I mean? Like, I mean, that's the thing is like where we've kind of arrived is that I look at this list with Giannis, Jokic, Curry, Doncic, and then Durant in the top five and Embiid's on the outside looking in at six. I could imagine in the next version of this with Durant's injury, if Embiid continues to play really well, that you might see some movement from Embiid getting into that five. Brahim, it's like, this is sort of like, the, I, yeah. this has become like a real talking point where it's like, Embiid is obviously in his prime. Embiid is obviously an MVP candidate. Can you really say that Embiid is better than Luka? I mean, do you want to say that Embiid's better than Steph? Is this Jokic debate really a debate? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has a debate with Jokic. Right, right and now. it's not um, with Giannis, right? Like, and and so it starts to get a little bit like you box yourself out of this. I mean, Justin, have you found that the like you've gotten a lot of feedback to the extent that you're you're checking on it from people who are like is it is it more like fan base anger or resentment or or feedback or is it uh the more general fan who's like well actually i've looked at my my statistical models say that this person is higher than this person no it's typically full-throated fuck you from a certain fan base i would say is is the, (laughs) the the biggest feedback uh i remember when i first tweeted it out uh, the Blazers.com reporter, who I'm, I'm quite fond of, I, I have a very high opinion of it. He tweeted out the list, then realized that Dame was where Dame was, and then deleted the tweet because he's like, I'm not going to engage with this anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, you know, I saw Harden moved into the top 20, giving the Sixers two top 20 individual players in the in the ranking, which is nice. Obviously, with the Lakers have two top 10 players. Uh, having guys in this list high up does not always indicate a great record. Um, was there any other examples of teams being pretty well represented in the top 100 that you felt like didn't necessarily lead to team success? Ooh, teams is tough. Um, the Suns are the one that jump out to me the most, if only because Booker has not only been hurt, but they've been pretty bad. Like how much is that chicken in the egg? Like they don't have him and thus they are bad. Yeah. I don't know. But like, as I scroll through the list right now, I'm like, Ooh, that, that's probably the one that jumps out there. I, the Hawks are also an interesting case here where you would say like just individually, they have a lot of talented guys. Um, not in the top 20 because Trey Young fell out of the top 20, but 
both he and Murray, and I believe Collins is on the list. I believe Hunter is lower on the list. So they have the depth here. I think Clint Capella is still on the list, but that's a team that's clearly in disarray and probably not because of like the actual player's performance. It seems to be a lot driven by like whatever is going on in like the meetings between ownership and Nate McMillan, who doesn't want to be there anymore. But uh, yeah, th- right. those are the ones that jump out. Nate McMillan is treating his job as coach's uh, Hawks coach like I was treating my job as voting on, <laughs> on, on NBA rankings. I guess no the, Cav- the Cavs are another interesting case. These guys love Garland and Mitchell, and I get it. And also, like, Mobley has a very high approval rating. Allen has a very high approval rating amongst this this crew. Uh, I don't know. Like, it, I think they're, they have so many guys high in the rankings that you would think that they, they would be a juggernaut like warrior style team which they aren't and so there, there's a little bit of dissonance there too yeah there's a little bit like kind of almost voting on mm. potential there raheem what else you got i would love to talk about maxi because um how much do you kind of do you guys kind of weigh like what you see someone being in the future versus i mean what they are now because it's just like like in their individual role so like maxi is like the third wheel here on this sixers team and I kind of feel like he could do a lot more if, you know, he weren't playing with the Sixers. So it's just mm. like, you know, we have it's it's like you have these stacked teams and guys get put into a role. Um and, you know, that kind of limits, you know, some of their statistical output. So how much does that influence your ratings? Like even a guy like Tobias, like he's clearly overqualified for his role on the Sixers. Yeah. I think Tobias uh just based on how like lavish his his home probably is, it probably gets what he deserves at, the, at this point. <laughs> that contract, I think, uh, is quite the thirty million dollar fourth man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that he'll uh, he'll be good with that. Uh, Maxi's an interesting one because it's not just potential; uh, it's also what you're talking about. It's, it's role, right? Like, could he be a bigger deal somewhere else? I would say that these guys factor in potential, but I would I would have to say that they probably have to tamp that impulse down. I think it's easy to get excited about young players in the way that you wouldn't get as excited about a Brooke Lopez or even about a Tobias Harris, a guy who's just really good, uh, but has been around the league for so long and tends to get forgotten about. Um, Maxi, I, I guess that's the trade-off there as well. It's like Maxi's on a really good team. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think you could look at it the other way. Is Maxi does he have more hype around him because he's on a more high profile team as well? I personally like Maxi, but I think like he's 67 right now, considering his injuries, considering that he hasn't had like a, a full season where he's just like completely been the clear cut, like driving force of, of like really good offense for a team. Like I, I, that feels about right for me. If not like maybe a little bit lower than he should be right now. I think I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that Raheem. Like, do you think that Maxi would be, better slash higher up in this ranking if he was the point guard for the magic or the hornets i mean without a doubt i mean interesting i mean maybe for the magic i mean you look at a team like the magic i mean granted they have a million guards none of them who can stay healthy but it's like if he's like the the one with paulo being the two or you know vice versa it's just he has his own team and he's able to do more and it's just like right now he kind of has to share things with Harden and mb and it's just like you look down in crunch time mb's posting up 
or, you know, Harden is taking a step back three. He's kind of getting in where he fits in. So, I mean, he said it numerous times since coming back. He wants to come back without messing up the flow of the offense. So, you know, I just, you know, you got LaMelo Ball 50 right now. Um, I'm not sure if I like LaMelo Ball more than I like Tyrese. Wow. And that could just be me being biased. <laughs> but It's bold, but I, well, I, I like it. wise yeah. Yeah. Um, Justin, do you think that... Um, I find that when, like, especially... And this isn't actually talking out of school, but, like, when we are putting together, like, preseason packages and getting ready for the NBA season, and in the first few weeks of the NBA season, there's a lot of, like, wishful thinking about different teams i think we all look back fondly on the is utah for real month that we had there (laughs) where it was like a lot a lot of that but like when you're going into an nba season in that first half of the season it's a lot of like what could be and what might be and the potential of players and then the second half of the season is more about the contenders and it's about like actually it's these four teams or these six teams or whatever there's a lot of parity this season but i wonder whether the rankings will start to reflect that more like right you know so, like, would Maxi rise because there's going to be more attention? Because the Sixers will just be a, a contender. You know, like, if that's the case, do you start to see some of these guys where it's just like, it's really awesome to watch this guy? Like, it, for sure. But, like, maybe in three years, whereas, like, Maxi's, you know, going to be in the playoffs. Like, these, there, there are some guys who I think will, will maybe, like, kind of go up a little bit as the basketball gets more important. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think one of the internet's favorite buzzwords these days is how does this player impact winning? It's basically, is this player uh, a winning player or not? And I think you hear that a lot more now just in the discourse, but in particular with these rankings, like I think you see a lot of guys trying to vouch for and trying to promote guys who are less seen or do things more on the fringes, but they do contribute to good well-run basketball and so i think you will see a lot more of those guys start to creep up like i guess this one isn't a great example because ben simmons is toward the end there but like at a certain point like ben simmons kind of is that player because he's actually not a superstar he's actually a role player at this point in his career who does a lot of little things that contribute to what has been a pretty great nets run over the past month or two yeah okay so justin i would say that the tone of this pod over the course of the season has been a mix of frustration with patience. Like I think Raheem and I have both tried to like remind each other that it's a long season, that injuries happen, that chemistry doesn't occur overnight and all that stuff. But I think because of the way the season started, which was this all of a sudden, every podcast on the internet was like the Sixers are going to the finals. There was all these projections sending the Sixers to the finals, yada, yada that we were kind of a little bit on tilt because we were like, well, they're not a finals team. They're not as good as the Bucks and the Celtics, and I don't know if they're as good as the Cavs. And, you know, a couple of, like, pratfalls on national television against really good competition. But over the last couple of weeks, despite the fact that they haven't had their starting five out there, and stage whisper, maybe because they haven't had their starting five out mm. there, the Sixers are really right at the ship. They're 7-3 and three in the last 10. They're... They're 25 and 15, which I think both Raheem and I would have taken if you told us after 40 games we'd be 25 and 15. We're obviously too deep in it. We're like watching Pistons games back to back. But from 10,000 feet, what do you see this team as? I think if you were to describe what's happened with this team, as you just laid out, to any other fan base in the NBA, they'd be like, incredible. 
what a magical run we're on. Right. Isn't this great? But there is just <laughs> so much complicating this team that it seems like even the small wins, even the, the Maxi playing better, even Melton weaving his way into this team, even the minivan like playing good off the bench, like it just doesn't feel as good as it should. Um, and that's mostly their own doing. You know, you have that weird Harden story that comes out in Christmas, one of the most insane things in recent NBA history. And the reaction isn't, oh, my God. a lot. <laughs> yeah. The, the reaction isn't like, oh, my God, shut it down. Let's write 20 blog posts about this. It's more like, oh, this again. Like, we're just going through a different version of what we've already gone through. Uh, and so, like, I think that does affect just, like, the perception of the Sixers at large. But I do think, like... They're really freaking good, especially right now. And Bede's like scoring 40 practically every night. They had to basically shut down Harden in the midst of a triple-double because uh, they were just stomping the Pistons so yeah. soon into a game. It's just like everything is going well. And so like I think there's that element to it. But I also think like most teams of this caliber, they are at the point where it's like, let's see it in the playoffs. Like can Harden be this type of good, if not great, in a in a full series? Can Embiid stay healthy? And those are kind of unanswerable questions. And so you kind of are like, yeah, they're really good, but you end up in kind of a shrug-grown situation with them. Yeah, I found it. One of the things I found interesting is, so there was a media survey, um, and I think it just dropped yesterday or today, and they spoke about the 10 best teams in the NBA right now. And right now we have the Celtics, Bucks, Denver, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, I mean, Memphis, New Orleans, Cleveland, and Philadelphia was somewhere most most people voted for them being the sixth or the seventh best hmm. team in the league right now. And I, I just found it so interesting just because it's just, you know, at the start of the season, this team had championship aspirations. And now, you know, we're looking at a team where people see Memphis and New Orleans. And I mean, these are young upstart teams as being consensus like better than them than them and it's just you know it's kind of on one hand it's shocking because we haven't had our whole roster this whole year and we're still a, a, a seen as a top 10 team but it's like we're almost not even seen as a contender because you know they're asking which team is going to represent the east and 57 percent say boston 33% say Milwaukee and 10% say Brooklyn. So it's just like, what chances do you give the Sixers? You know, for all my Sixers fans listening, what do you give us a chance? Like, what what percent chance do you give us to, you know, really sneak in there and, and truly be a contender? What do you think is holding us back? I, I honestly think a lot of it is just future casting or just looking ahead to some of the matchups. Like, in, in a lot of ways, they have the ultimate trump card in Embiid. Like, who is going to stop like a 300 pound guy who like moves like Pele uh, yeah, in not a playoff Nick, not series. Not Nick Claxton. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But on the other hand, I almost feel like if it's going to be any teams, it's probably going to be the teams that are jostling with them at the top of the East. So the Nets clearly at a size disadvantage, I would say Embiid should eat them alive in a playoff series. But the Celtics have Robert Williams and Al Horford and a stash of guys who can give five to six fouls, right? Uh, the Cavs, a team that I think is like a season and probably one to two players away, has Jared Allen and Evan Mobley protecting the rim. 
And then you have the box, obviously, uh, Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez. And so matchup-wise, I feel like the rest of the East is, is probably capable of giving them a good series. And then the question becomes, well, if they can guard Embiid, who's going to step up outside of that? And the answer inevitably falls on Harden. And so you all roads point back to Harden. He needs to be all-star Harden, I think, in order to get out of the East as opposed to just like the good guy who's like making things work right now. Uh, and it's hard to divorce that, like I said before, from just like what's been happening, all the good things that have been happening this far. So you're telling us Harden, he can't be the 19th best player in the NBA. In order. <laughs> well, maybe he can. <laughs> in order the Lakers the- have two top 10 players and they're garbage. <laughs> like maybe we can have two top 20 players and be good. <laughs> I think honestly, also what you're talking about with like the New Orleans and Memphis love, which I'm actually like not even sure that if I was asked, I wouldn't, I might vote the same way, is that the Sixers have essentially been this Embiid centric team for the last six, seven years, whatever, and have gotten to the second round of the playoffs. You know, like whether it's been with Simmons or Butler or with Harden now, it's a second round team at the best. And then. So it's like the Sixers are kind of in a show me zone, whereas the the Grizz and the and the Pelicans, it's all like potential. It's like, well, wait, if the Pelicans are healthy in the playoffs, like who can stop them? Right. Or if the Grizzlies have it all going in the playoffs, or if they make a trade at the deadline, like who can stop them? And it's like they haven't answered that question yet, so they have almost more enthusiasm behind them. I do take heart in the fact that like if you actually dig in to the fan bases of any given team. It's like Bill's losing his mind about Missoula right now. You know what I mean? Like they, they went to the finals, <laughs> got rid of like their coach. They, they lost their coach and hired this dude out of nowhere who has them humming as be- better than they were last year in a lot of ways. And Bill's like, this guy sucks. He doesn't know how to call timeouts. It's like, I'm sure somewhere <laughs> there are Bucks fans who are rending garments about Chris Middleton not being back and whether or not the, the ownership's too cheap to make a deal for somebody everybody's got like their like obsessions you know it's like i think that find me a a happy fan base and i'll tell you that they're not really fans yeah i mean that's fair and i also think you know the way we started this entire era it was about a championship i mean when you start the process and you tank and you you get rid of drew holly you get rid of andre iguodala and you blow this whole thing up and you you make us wait it, it becomes about a championship or bust so I feel like our franchise more than anything, any other team, we're, we demand more. So it's, it's definitely fair. Yeah. There, there were too many podcasts like during the fallow periods about like, man, this is going to lead to such greatness in the future that like yeah. you can't expect those same expectations to kind of come home to roost now. I think that's a really good point. Since we have you here, I just want to ask you one quick thing as somebody who's been editing and, and working on this stuff for a long time. It does seem like that there is the the disparity between the amount of stuff we're, we're like producing in terms of content around the trade deadline versus what usually happens at the trade deadline seems like it's happening in two completely different realities. Do you think that this will be a busy trade deadline? And do you feel like for the purposes of this pod, the Sixers will be players in that? It's a great question because I was literally just having a discussion about this with someone. I feel like every podcast is like, here's 106 trades I thought of. And I'm like, (laughs) there might be two. 
And it might be for like backup point guards. Right, right. I, I do think there's a good discussion to be had about how much impact the play-in tournament is having on trade activity. And in particular, this time, right? During January, this used to be all hands on deck, like like your hand above the buzzer ready to just call people into action. Let's, let's like rip off 10 blog posts about this one trade rumor about this one superstar. Yeah. It doesn't seem to happen anymore. And in part of it's also, I think a lot of players sign extensions. And so all of the drama is kind of taken out uh, ahead of time. But as, as Zach Cram, who I was talking to right before this, mentioned to me, like last year's trade deadline ultimately became pretty active. It just took until right up until the buzzer for things yeah. to happen. Tyrese Halliburton just came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Harden got traded. And so like there there were a lot of big deals. It just, I think teams, because of the play-in, might wait until the absolute last moment to know for sure that they are not going to be in it. Or at least to sell right. their owners like that they played competitive basketball or at least in it for at least another month. And so I wonder what sort of effect it will have ultimately. Um, but like for the Sixers, like what do they need at that point? It's so weird to say because I, I feel they need like perimeter defense. They need, yeah. per- they, 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 yeah. they have to have a guy who can guard on the perimeter. And if he's not going to play a he has to find somebody who will. I guess that's the question. It's like, how much do you want to give up or just like change the the calculus of what you've already assembled? It's like you went out and got PJ Tucker for that reason. You got Melton for that reason. You got House for that reason. Like, do you just give them more time to find the right combinations? Do you like lean on Doc to do that? And so like a backup center, prime example, like how long has it been since the Sixers had a competent backup center? And like Harold's been pretty good. Like those minutes with him have been, I believe, in the positive. So like it's weird to that, say that, that's a that's a real numbers <laughs> versus eye test thing. <laughs> like you're not a hero guy. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, I, I I personally would have been. I I think I I would be fine if you're not going to play Reed. I'd be fine with bringing Drummond back. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a hero guy either. I think he's performed well in spots. Mm. Um, you know, as like a just you know the games against the Pistons, or you know, I think there was a game against Indiana where it's just. He had his moments, but for the most part, it's just if he's not out there with Harden, then he's not giving you. It's much, also the um, reason why Doc got fired. From, from <laughs> I was just gonna say, is, like not, not yeah. really a playoff guy, Montrezl Harrell. Like yeah. this, I don't know that this can be emphasized enough how dangerous <laughs> this is. Um, Reem, you got anything else for Justin? Because otherwise, we can let him go. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, it's definitely a pleasure, you know, to speak with you and, and get your insight on on some of the ratings. Um, you know, do we just never get those conversations? So it was great to for hear. Sure. Thanks for coming on, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.